Hello, people of Earth, Jupiter, and Mars. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Linen Suit and Plastic Tie. And I'm, I'm Kevin. Cliff. We hate you, Mercury. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, we hate Mercury. Don't don't hate us, NASA astronauts or Mercury lovers. I'm sure there's a fan group out there, Kev, of Mercury lovers who have now made you public enemy number one. So, Kev, who's today's expert storyteller? Well, today we have. Larry Brayman. Right now, he's the director of career services at UCLA Masters of Science in Business Analytics program, which is the program I'm studying in. But before he came into career coaching, he started off his career as an actor and writer. There's so much storytelling in careers, and that intersection that Larry has discovered between acting, consulting, and careers is fascinating. Well, before we talk to Larry. Why don't we take a moment to talk about what we've learned since our last episode? I think the first thing we need to talk about is the great water bottle apocalypse of 2020. Oh, Grav doesn't really know how his new microphone works, and sometimes that water bottle can get really clunky. Everyone at home, the amount of shade that Kevin has thrown at me because of this water bottle—it's it could it could shade. An entire desert, because mics pick up everything. Everybody, you know what? Moving on from the Great Water Bottle Apocalypse, the second great learning we learned here was that commitment to format. I mean, we're working in a lot of busy schedules, and there's a lot of great insights, so we wanted to keep everything around 20 minutes. But as we found more and we got more insights and got so many things, we would listen to it and be like, "Oh, should we cut that? No, we love that." Keeping it 20 minutes is gonna tell a worse story. So we're being a little bit more flexible, and we're trying to tell our stories between 20 and 30 minutes now. We might dial it back. We might move forward. That all depends on how the flow is working and how the feedback we get from everyone. Okay, why don't we get to Larry now? So to start us off, Larry, and half the reason I asked you to do this is I get to ask you this. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your story? My story. I came to Los Angeles uh, over 20 years ago, and I was an actor and a writer for many years on TV shows and animated series and commercials. And around the time that I started having kids coming along, I started to think, okay, I need to get on a career path that has more growth. To it that if you get to this level, you should be able to get to the next level if after a little while. So I started taking lessons and、uh, experiences from the creative world and started applying them towards organizations, sort of in a more corporate way, calling on things from the theater world that that actors and creative people do really well, like communicate, like work well in teams. Like be creative, like present well, like be be more connected to all their resources, so they can apply that to their work, so they can be more satisfied. I grew a consultancy out of that kind of work, and at the same time, that took on more and more of a career feel, like helping people advance in their in their jobs or find their next jobs. And so, my consultancy. Really began to really focused on career for the most part for many years, and then this opportunity at UCLA, UCLA Anderson came up.、Uh, they were starting a new 
degree program uh, had been recommended to this role. And I interviewed and uh, landed this role as the director of career services at the MSBA program. And uh, it's been uh, an amazing three years of building this program and working with some amazing students. So I find it very satisfying on a lot of levels. When I talk to people and ask them their journeys, one of the first things they say is, well, my journey is a little bit unique. It's not a straight line. It's a winding path. And every person who says that acts like everyone else's journey is point A to point B. And what this is one of the biggest reasons we did this because we want to learn about those little things like how acting makes you a better career service operator and how these little weird bumps in the road make you better in your journey. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're talking about this a lot now on your podcast and, and talking to people who are like your age about this because the, there's a big expectation coming out of, of school, whether it's undergrad or grad program, that there's so much pressure on every decision that you make. I often, right? If I, if I make the wrong, the wrong choice now, gonna, it's going to mess me up forever. Or I have to make the right choice now so I can be on this right path that's going to get me from here to here to here to here. And it almost never works that way, just like you said, Gaurav. And so one thing I, I, I'm glad you're emphasizing, and I often let my clients know who are, who are student age or, or young grad age, is that, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's going to be windy. It's going to be twisty. And there are going to be surprises. And yes, you can plan and you should be smart about your career planning and really intentional about it, but also be open to once you get into something, incredible, wonderful surprises happen that you never would have anticipated that can take you in a different direction. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, there's a lot of great insights philosophy-wise. Uh, something else that I'm also wondering from your acting experience is, do you think there's something we can learn from acting uh, that can be applied to uh, the job searching process, stuff like that? Oh, there's so much, Kevin. Let me think of a few. One is, if you think that when you're applying to roles, that you're applying to a lot of roles and getting a lot of no's, I mean, actors get probably 20 times more no's or no thank you's than anybody. They, they make a whole career of this, right? Of, of getting out there, making themselves really vulnerable, right? Doing some stuff that is really opening themselves up, right? Emotionally and personally. And then someone saying, that's not quite it. Or, you know, no, thank you. And, and so the notion of being resilient, yes, you put a lot into each job application and maybe in the interview and you've gone a long way and you've made some good relationships. And sometimes it's no, most of the time it's no, but it's really part of the process. And if you are allow yourself to just accept that, not take it personally and say, you know what, this is, this is what I want. I want this really badly and it's worth it to me. And remind yourself why it's worth it to you. I think that's that can really help people. The other thing that that that, that puts in mind is to you know, not make it all about whether or not you get the job in the moment. If you are really find a lot of fulfillment out of whatever it is that you're looking to do professionally, then do that thing, even if no one is paying you for it. Right? Like. Like, it was one of the reasons I went into writing as well, because writing I could just do on the side and I didn't need anyone's permission, any director, any casting agent or whatever to say, hey, OK, you can do this now. 
uh, go on and show up at the set at this time. It was something I could work on. It was my own that still gave me a lot of fulfillment, you know, and I would encourage the same thing for anybody in any profession to not be dependent on someone saying, you know, yes, because you've got to keep that engine going and you got to stay in practice and the things that make you feel good, you got to keep doing them. Well, I love what you were saying about vulnerability because it's a very, it can be a very vulnerable process when you're looking for a job for a certain time, you're applying, applying, applying and getting no, no, no. So do you have any more advice about how to be more okay with vulnerability? Yeah. You hear this a lot in the acting world and we, and we say this a lot in our program at MSBA and I, and it's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. We talk about being bold. And what, what that means, I think for me, is being okay with taking risks, not playing it so safe all the time, and allowing yourself to be open, exposed in, some, in certain ways, to take chances, to not be so careful. You know, I think a, a lot of times we shut ourselves down, uh, especially in in high stakes situations, you know, like, like interviews that we can get so concerned with kind of doing it right or being proper or being, you know, whatever it is to corporate or what have you, that we keep our, our natural best and most connecting selves from coming through. And so, you know, taking that risk, you know, this is who I am. This is how I think I'm, this is what I find funny. Right. I can, I can you can bring humor to interviews. I can ask questions if I'm not sure about something. That's vulnerability. Right? Uh, so there, there are a lot of different ways that you can tap that and be more you and be more bold in the process. And I think get a lot more out of these experiences. What are suggestions in for us trying to strike that balance between sounding like right and competent versus, you know, adding a little character to ourselves. You can't be fully there and fully present if you're so focused on what do I have to do and say and getting it right and remembering this and doing that, right? One of the things that allows you to be in the moment, that allows actors to be in the moment, is to be really well prepared. Actors rehearse so that they can get the material, the technical stuff in them. And then when they're there in that moment that they're supposed to make something happen, that they can trust that it's in there and then they can be there to do the job that they're there to do, which is you know, connect with that other human being or in the interview with those other human beings that you're in that room with or that you're on the, the Zoom call with. People get hired because people decide they want to hang out with you, ultimately. Right? It's not because you had the best resume or you scored the highest on the technical test. You got to have some of the skills. But in the end, these are people that are going to be spending more time with you than they spend with their families. And there's got to be some kind of connection there, chemistry. And you could have all the greatest technical skills in the world. But if they feel like, you know, this, she just doesn't really fit in here. I just don't get him. I mean, it seems like he's really smart, but I, we're just not connecting. Then, then you won't get the job. I mean, it's so important, that idea of rehearsing the technical, building the base so you can be yourself in the moment and you can relax and just show your personality. Because I know it's, it's often talked about, like, you're interviewing them as well. But as an undergrad, I know I never feel that way. I'm like, 
please hire me. I'm never like you know, interviewing them as well. But I think that idea of relaxing because you've prepped and just letting yourself be human is so important. Yeah, that's yeah. You're totally right. And you and Grub, you put me in mind of something else. Is you know most people go into interviews with the mindset that that it's all about them. That I I have to I I want you to hire me. Please hire me, like you said. And that and the emphasis there is totally in the wrong place. If you can take that emphasis and take it out of you and focus on them instead, then you've totally changed the game. It's what I what I call, and Kevin's heard this, the consulting approach to interviewing. Right? Consultants are there for their clients or their potential clients. They're there trying to find out what they need, what their pain points are. And then they're saying, okay, well, now that I understand this, here are some ways that I might be able to help you. And it becomes about helping them as opposed to it's all on me. I got to get the job. I got to be perfect. I got to whatever it is. And that tends to also shift the power balance, right? They need me to help them. They got problems to solve. If I listen well and connect what I can do and know to their needs, then I've got a really good chance of making something happen here. Kind of going back, going back in the process a little bit, the resume and the cover letter and getting through those dreaded application computers. (laughs) Um, So many questions in this realm, but I think the first question I want to ask you is when writing a professional PDF readable resume that will be read by these computers, how do you tell your story in that kind of black and white professional context? I'm a firm believer that every line in your resume can help sell you in the direction that you're looking to go. You know, it's, it's, it's fairly easy to look at a job description. I have a good guess as to what they're, if, if you're going through software and ATS, applicant tracking system, and what it's going to be looking for. You know, what are the key, what are the key words? What's the key software or technology that you that they're looking for um you know what kind of is it is it customer oriented is it marketing you know whatever, whatever it happens to be so you can look at those at those keywords fine and then you get to go to each section of your resume and go how well is this actually telling my story when it comes to this role for example you look at your education section you can highlight classes that you feel would be most interesting to the person or the machine right, reading this resume. You have, and I'm not even getting the job experience stuff, you have leadership and volunteer and community, right, and interests and things. You could be pulling from there as well. You know, think about all the different things that come from leadership roles, event planning and fundraising and designing programs or software, you know, all, all sorts of things that come from your leadership or volunteer. You have school projects, that could be relevant and you can shape those. And again, it's not about telling everything. It's about, it's about shaping them and sometimes rewriting them in a way that's most interesting, that's most relevant to this role. And then of course, it's the same with your professional or internship experience. It's quite possible that you have been using the same three or four bullet points to describe a particular role on your resume for forever, maybe. So I'm going to say that the, the, those bullet points are a waste of space if they're not helping you show your relevance to the particular job that you are going for. So I, I really believe that going top to bottom, 
on your resume. And Kevin's had this experience in, in working with me. And I really push that you can really transform it to, to tell a story that is uh, that, that can really help people understand why you are trying to do what you say you're trying to do. So we're, we're kind of jumping back and forth in uh, all the different steps in the job seeking process. But one thing that I personally find a little bit challenging is that keeping your story going. So, so say you've had a coffee chat with someone and maybe you want to retain a, a longer term connection with that person. How do you keep your story going uh, in the long run? Well, you've always got stuff going on in life to talk about. Kevin, when I think about you, your story has, has shifted incredibly, right? You got this, this high level master's program that you've entered into. That's news, okay? That's something that your whole network should hear. Now, you are planning to become a data analyst or a data scientist or something around along those lines, a business analyst. And so now your network needs to know how that story is going and what kind of information can you be feeding out to them that not only tells them where you are in the story, but might actually even be interesting or helpful to them in their professional lives. So, Kevin, you are going to be attending a whole lot of high-level classes. So you could be feeding some of that out, right, about this insight that just came from this class or from this project. Uh, you, you, you'll be going, I hope, to conferences and finding great speakers and, and great resources and new tools. At some point, you're going to be starting your summer internship. You're going to announce that to your network and what you're going to be doing there. And look at, I'm going to be leveraging these skills to solve these kind of problems. And wow, your story is, is building even more. Because now look what Kevin's able to do. Look what our hero, Kevin, at the story. He's growing, he's building, he's overcoming obstacles, which is essential in stories. This was really tough, but I did it. And here I'm sharing it with you. It could be helpful to you. So the hero is learning, he's growing, he's helping other people. We always like that in a hero, right? He's sharing information, right? He's landed the internship, okay? Then he goes through the summer and then he can report on what he's done for the summer when he starts to, when he begins to look for his full-time job. That's another feed out to his network and connection. So it just keeps growing. There's always things that you can grab as long as you keep moving and breathing and start and are staying active in the pursuit of your own growth and your own goals that your network will be interested in hearing about when it comes to your story. I loved all the... Um... I'm going to keep that in... Okay. I'm going <laughs> to keep that in the episode as a voice resume of Kevin Liu told by the Director of Sur Career Service of UCLA MSBA program. This is glorious. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's a new service we provide. <laughs> voice resumes. That's amazing. I, I love your use of like obstacles and villains and heroes and all those important story points. And as a writer, as someone who's been in the trenches of stories, you've built that skill. But for other people who are realizing how important storytelling is for our career growth, our personal life, how do we become better storytellers? One place where I would start is thinking about structure. There's a structure that I love. It's called... SOAR, it's an acronym, S-O-A-R. It stands for Situation, Obstacle, Action, Results. The reason I like it in 
in us as people developing our careers is that that this structure has the key elements of storytelling of, of like universal elements of storytelling it helps us think about our stories in advance so that they are ready to go or it helps us at least think about them in the moment if we're coming up with something new that we haven't thought about before but it keeps us on point keeps us from rambling keeps us and, and reminds us of key elements that we want to bring in so what are these key elements? And by the way, everyone's heard of, most everyone who's gone to a career coach or a career center has heard of a star story, right? S-T-A-R, that's the common one. Soar is better. I always have this rivalry with like other career coaches, like, oh, star versus soar. Soar is better because it has, oh, obstacle. It makes you focus on obstacle. Without conflict, there's no drama. It's classic storytelling. And if you leave out the conflict, if you leave out what you had to overcome in your achievement of whatever it is you are talking about as a job-seeking storyteller, then you made your story way less interesting. And if you want me to give a quick example of what a S-O-A-R looks like, um, you know, your situation is sort of what got you, what's the need, what's the setup? My team was in charge of shipping this new athletic shoe to a thousand stores across the U S and we had to do it by December 15th. Cause this was going to be a big holiday thing. Okay. The obstacle is that we were getting all of our boxes that the shoe was being made in. We were having those sourced somewhere in Asia and the, the, the ship that, those shoe boxes were coming over on was taken over by pirates and, and we had no shoes, no, no shoe boxes to ship in. That's the obstacle. So now the hero has to overcome that. So a is the action. So what I did was I, I, I leveraged my network to, and to, to, and, and I delegated to some research responsibilities to my team and we found new sources, new local sources to print 500,000 shoe boxes and get them delivered to the plant and, and, and they did that way they made it on time and the r the result was so we were able to ship those shoes and not only that but we shipped them early they got there a, a week early across the whole u.s we made we in the pre-sells 2.5 million dollars more than what was planned and we've already got we already have back orders for another five million dollars so hopefully that was a, you could see the situation and then what got in the way and then what I did, and this is important to the I, as opposed to you can have some we's, but I, in my storytelling, sometimes we get, oh, I don't want to brag too much. I want to be a team oriented, but people are hiring you as an individual. You know, you can have some we, but really what did you bring to this? And then R, this is what people often leave out as well. What's the happy ending? What were the business related, the business impactful results that you brought. I know that was a big, long speech, but hopefully hopefully that was helpful. Absolutely. No, that was amazing. I think I hear star all the time, and I think star is so interesting. What I love is like the integration of, again, storytelling elements there. You're the hero, the I. It's not about the team. I'm the hero. Bringing in that human drama about obstacles, because going back to what you were saying earlier, you're interviewing a human. You want to bring them on that story. You want to engage them. You want to get them intrigued in your story. So they want to know the results. 
and obstacles, making that drama is such an important and insightful way to do that. To wrap things up, uh, we have a final segment called Suspenders. It works like this: we throw at you、uh, a random question that's unrelated to anything, and you can give us any random answer you feel like. So our question for today is: What is one fear that you would like to conquer? Wow! I hope in your editing you can make this like the pause not so so tremendously huge. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. You said I could give any answer. The reason I'm pausing so long is not because I'm trying to hide anything. It's because I'm not coming up with a major fear that is kind of that is keeping me back. There has been something in my in my more recent professional years that I've been actually. Working on conquering, and I think I've been getting better at it, which is fear of being able to take on the level of of work or role that I really want.、It's、a lot of that has been has been conquered, and I, I've been conquering it in a lot of different ways. Some of it by just taking on roles and going, "Oh yeah, I, look, I can do that." And others, by others in other ways, by putting myself in peer groups of people who are at these higher, what I consider higher level or more learned roles, and going, oh yeah, look at that, I can, I can play in that field, okay, I can hold my own there, and that diminishes that fear as well. So maybe I did have something for you there, after all. I mean, that goes exactly to what we were talking about earlier: taking risks. And trying things, and I think it's so important. So thank you so much for taking the time. This was insanely insightful. Kevin and I both really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. You guys ask great questions, and I'm really happy to help out you, your listeners, any way I can. For our listeners, if you're interested in business and data analytics and the intersection in between. Make sure you apply to UCLA Masters of Science in Business Analytics program. This is only a glimpse of what our world top-ranked career service has to offer, and it's all thanks to Mr. Larry Brayman. Thank you so much for joining us, Larry. Top Hat. This is the part of the pod where we dissect the amazing interview we just had. We were talking with Larry Brayman today. Kev, what did you think of that interview? I learn from Larry every day, and I certainly have learned from him today. And I'm so glad we did this. Yeah, you know, it was one of the more educational pods we have scheduled for this podcast. It's one of the more where we get deep dive into the technical career. Yeah, as Larry said, there is so much. From acting that we can take away in our own job hunting. You know, I think something he was saying as well、um, is that idea in acting of being bold. And actors, they get so many rejections, but they keep going up. Being bold, building building that resilience is so important to understand 
that you're gonna get a lot of no's. So be bold and just keep going out there. Another thing he talked about was he told us a little bit about building those story points about the hero, the villain, the obstacles into your career, into your networking, into your interviews. And by doing that, you can make that human connection. Because at the bottom of it, all interviews are, all networking is, is making human connections. That SOAR acronym, uh, Situation, Obstacle, um, Action, and Result. Action and Result. If there's no conflict, there is no drama. When you tell a story about yourself, find out what obstacle you have to come through and focus on how you overcome that obstacle and what was the outcome of that. Building in that drama, be the hero of your story. And practice, practice, practice. So, you know, Kev, I think that's going to be my biggest learning from today. Soar above the stars and um, accentuate that drama. Tell a story to tell who you are. Well, my biggest takeaway is be bold. You will have to try a lot of times. You will get rejected a lot of times, but you still have to keep trying and keep going. Yeah, let's leave it on that, Kev. Until next week, everyone else, be bold. This has been another episode of Linen Suit and Plastic Tie. See y'all next week.